This is the Scary Movie Clubcast. Live from the clubhouse, it's Scary Movie Clubcast. This is Nadine. And this is Amanda. And tonight we read The Shining by Stephen King. And by tonight, we didn't mean we read it all in one night. That's insane. No, of course we didn't. No. Obviously not. (laughs) That would be crazy. Amanda is going to give us a little summary of it. And so for those of you who don't know, The Shining is a book by Stephen King. And it centers around the Torrance family. What happens is Jack Torrance is like a disgraced teacher writer. And to start over, he's going to take his family out to this job for the winter where he is the caretaker of a hotel and so he takes his wife wendy and his son danny and things get crazy because there's a lot of psychic phenomenon and danny has the shining which means telepathy can kind of like see into the future and weird stuff like that and then things just slowly decay as jack slips into madness and the hotel lashes out it's a real volatile temper that overlook mm-hmm. <laughs> do not want to shine there that is for sure Yeah, it's really not worth it. So we've read the book, and then, of course, we've already seen the movie. I think we've already done a ranking for it on here. I think we ranked it in Twins, I'm pretty sure, at some point in some episode. Probably. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. (laughs) I remember it. So since we've already seen the movie, we wanted to do sort of an episode where we talk about, like, how we felt about the book versus the movie and all the differences. Mm -hmm. There's a million. There are. (laughs) None that are, like, so different that it's like, oh, it's a totally different story, but... And when we refer to the movie, we're talking about the Stanley Kubrick, like, iconic film. We're not talking about the other miniseries that was uh, written and produced by Stephen King to fix the things he didn't like in Stanley Kubrick's version. Yeah, yeah. We aren't talking about that one. Although, I really wish I could see that one. And I looked for it to, like, see where I could watch it, and it's like, you have to buy it on Amazon, and it's like... To get on DVD is like ninety dollars. Ninety dollars. Yeah, and Steve it's like sixty something. Sixty something dollars on VHS. Cool. You can't. There's no work that's producing it. It's like people who own it who are selling it. It really makes me want to watch. Right. Why do I want to watch it more now that I know it costs? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's capitalism, baby. <laughs> sixty dollars. I I have a VHS play. We have Could a each VHS put in player. Thirty. <laughs> Like lunatics. <laughs> it's too crazy. It's too risky, too. Because what if that VHS is all jacked up and it's straight up from 1980 when it came out? Well, the VHS could be from 1980 and be fine. I, I don't VHS trust people. is from 1980. Still watch them. Don't trust the people to care of the VHS tapes. Yeah, no. Fair enough. I don't trust people either. Well, let's just start with, like, differences from the book. So the biggest difference and the one that Stephen King is the mm-hmm. most upset about is that Jack Torrance in the book comes to the Overlook sane and slowly loses his mind and loses himself to the overlook yeah in the movie <laughs> jack nicholson feels crazy right off yeah the he already comes off unhinged straight at the get-go yeah yeah whereas like the jack torrance of the book you can tell he's trying to redeem himself he wants his family to work like yeah he's him... not perfect by any means yeah no but but like him and wendy's relationship had been on the rocks beforehand they talked about in the book is Danny can read their thoughts and neither of them has spoken it to each other but they've both thought about divorce and Danny like at one point in the book he's like really happy because none of them neither of them has thought about divorce in a while so it's like a sign of like how things are getting better right before they get to the overlook and like right at the beginning like things are kind of like rosy when they first get to the overlook Winnie is the happiest that she's ever been in their marriage that's literally what she said it's (laughs) very depressing yes speaking of Winnie 
I was shocked when they like were talking about her in the book and what she looked like. I was like, because I just uh, blonde, yeah, and, like just being blonde and like really beautiful and like youthful looking, and then like Shelley Duvall is pretty, but just not in like the way that the book describes well, yeah. Wendy. And also, I imagine Jack Torrance being a lot more handsome, too. Than... But he is going bald. They do mention that in the book. So yeah. Like, just... Jack Nicholson is not attractive. Although... Before. I don't know. I saw, like, a very early Jack Nicholson movie, like, months ago. And I was like, oh, hey! Kind of cute! Oh, I've never found him to be attractive even before his hair started to go. It's it was just, like one uh, of his, probably one of his first roles or something. I was like, he's looking good. He's also always had crazy eyes. Like, it's not like I mean, he only has crazy got eyes in the show. Those, shining. like, crazy expressive brows that just, like, say crazy. <laughs> yeah, not like a fun crazy like Eugene Levy. <laughs> like, uh, oh, I don't want any part of that type of crazy. <laughs> the Joker crazy. And you're like, they didn't have to do anything to your face, Shaq. Nicholson to make you the Joker, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> this isn't like Lon Chaney and the uh, the fish hooks he had to use to make himself look like the Phantom. They just painted your face white. Yep, they're like good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but so that is probably the biggest difference as far as like. But then there are like a million other little differences. Definitely more dimensions to the characters. Uh, I also like how it like talks more about Danny's powers because mm -hmm. like in the movie like. Tony comes out. Actually, I learned that his little like finger thing that was like an ad lib for the little little child actor. Oh, that's that was his idea. So cute. I know. <laughs> and you get to see more of like what it is, and it's not just like this weird little kid being like, "Danny's not here anymore, Mrs. Torrance." <laughs> it's so weird to think how many of the iconic things from the movie are not in the book. Oh yeah. And yeah, how the book is so good and has its own <laughs> iconic thing. Yes. And what I just found really interesting in general was that it's like, it just made so much sense to me how the iconic things from the book would not have translated well to the silver screen and how yeah. it made so much more sense for him to like do the things that he did and change yeah. what he did. Hedge maze versus hedge animals. It's terrifying in the book. Goofy as all get out. Yeah. Just actually see a hedge lion come at someone, you know? But the idea of Dick Halloran getting attacked by a hedge lion yeah, and like it breaking skin scary. and ripping up his coat, terrifying. It really was. Those animals were jerk. One thing that was different between the two, but I feel like could have easily been in the movie and would have been really great was I loved in the book how it talks like throughout the book about the unmasking and yeah they never mentioned that they no. don't talk about the big masquerade party that's happening and i think that would have gone really well like i don't see why that wouldn't have translated well a lot of the things i totally get like the the axe versus the roquette yeah palette. yeah it I, makes total sense because yeah. you're like it's not gonna be a first scary. of all don't even know what roquette is it's like a weird know. version of why croquet not just make it croquet Stephen. why to be an extra i don't know <laughs> he's like i'm from maine i think i'm fancy <laughs> but yeah that is one of the things he does i know he did in the in his version of the the miniseries version because mm -hmm. i was looking at pictures it's like what does a roquette mount even look like oh i know compared to i, a I croquet also looked mallet. up a picture of it and then they were like pictures that came up from his version of Jack Torrance running around with the Roquette mallet. Because that's the other thing too is it looks small, kind of. Yeah, like I'm expecting it to be like Harley Quinn style, like huge freaking hammer the way they describe it in the book. But you look at the Roquette mallet and you're like, you're like, bro, why don't you just use a kitchen knife? I know, be more Bro, effective. Like, no. Get out of here. 
Seriously, there's probably an axe on that property. I know. The only real reason, too, that I can think of, like, why he would want to keep that versus the axe would be because of the thing at the very end with DeCaloran and how it's, like, a set. Oh, and so it's important that a piece it. is missing from the set. Yeah, yeah. But when you straight up axe DeCaloran as soon as he makes it to the Oberlin, take care of that problem. Oh, I know. <laughs> Dick fights so hard to get there and gets taken down so quick. In the movie, in the book, too. I mean, mean, he's okay in the book, but but he does end up saving them in the in the movie. He doesn't save them at all. He just shows up. It's like, hey, whack dead. And then there's a lot of cute things that you miss when you don't have as much Dick Halloran in it, because like I love Dick. Yes. (laughs) No. Very upset. Yeah. But his whole journey, like, to get there is, like, so cute. I love like, his journey to get there. All the little people that he runs into. Yes! He's like, this oh, person shines a little, gosh. this person shines. It made me cry. I was, like, tearing up. I was like, this is so sweet. This is why I love people. Like, oh, because everyone just has, like, this little bit of good in them. And, oh, man, it was just so sweet. I was dying. I know. And the people he tells a story to, and they're like, I be- like, sounds crazy, but I believe you. And, like, oh, my whole heart. <laughs> Literally. Oh, so good, so good. And then the very ending I love so, 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 so much. When they're on that little vacation. She said that they would go fishing in the spring. I know. It's so depressing. But it's so cute that they, like, create this, like, new little, like, family. And it's... Well, that's essentially throughout the whole book. I just kept the feeling and being like, man, I wish that she would marry Halloran. That would be great. But he's, like, crazy old. I know, but Especially he can't say... do worse than Jack. <laughs> I know. Well, especially when they, like, mentioned his age, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's how old he is. I know. At the end of the book, um, Doc is turning six and Halloran's turning 62. That one guy who gives him his jacket is like, mm, we need to switch jackets right now because you're not gonna make yes, it. that was one of the parts where I teared up. I that and when the guy gives him his mittens. I think those were like the two parts where I teared up and I just couldn't even take it. Because it's so good because that guy was like, as soon as you get that boy, you bring him oh, down. Yeah, we'll have him super ready. So sweet. Oh, so cute. And that's what they did. Which I loved you when he was like, oh. If I get out of here, I'm gonna get my sister to knit him a dozen gloves. Which makes it so sad that in the Kubrick version, they kill off Dick so soon. I know. Because he's such a great character. I was like, and then it also made me be like, this Kubrick racist, because Dick Halloran was a great character, and you just hardly gave him any justice. I think maybe he just didn't think that he had enough time. Because The Shining's already not a short movie. And I wouldn't cut much. I love everything that's in there. Yeah, there were parts that I could understand why Kubrick did it the way he did it versus King. Mm -hmm. And then there were other parts where I was like, no, you should have done it the King way. Because the King way was better. I kind of grasped why he did the bathroom woman the way he did Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the movie. Like, a little bit more fun. Yeah, it made sense to me. I would say that in general, it feels like Kubrick usually went darker than King mm-hmm. in a general sense, which makes me surprised that he left out the creepy sexual encounter between Winnie and Jack. Also, can I just say that when <clears throat> King writes a sexual encounter, I gag. Like, yeah, you're something like, about the way that he writes them in general, and I'm just like, I don't want it. I don't want it. There's one in Pet <laughs> Cemetery too, and I'm like, I'm uncomfortable by this, but I think it's mostly Michael C. Hall like doing the voice of a woman. It doesn't work. And you're like, mm, yeah, no, there's that's not sexy. <laughs> there's several in um, the stand, and I'm like, like I don't <laughs> want it. <laughs> Which in general, I just find to be interesting because, like, in a normal sense, when I think that someone like that a guy is like super 
super talented at something, like genius level talented, then I find them to be attractive in general. And I do not feel that way about Stephen King. <laughs> it's not like because of his looks, because there are other people where I'm not attracted to looks at all. But like Quentin, <laughs> sweet baby boy, Quentin Tarantino, I'm like, uh, all day. <laughs> but King, I'm like, oh gosh. No, I do think like some of the things that were done, like the way he incorporated, like, because the story of the first caretaker is like goes in way more detail in the book. And then in the shining the movie it's just like you just see the creepy twin girls and they're like come play with us danny where it's like that's not really in the movie it's like the caretaker had twins and he murdered them with an axe and it's like briefly mentioned in the movie that that's how those girls die this is about the king version of the movie the miniseries he did they actually filmed that one at the stanley hotel oh that's so cool i know yeah i really want to see it right <laughs> no it's not it's not supposed to be good but it doesn't stop me from wanting to see it at all. No. Never has. It never has. Club. It doesn't stop <laughs> me from doing anything. You know the number of bad movies I've watched? It makes me struggle a little more to convince myself to pay a ridiculous amount for it. But other than that. I don't know. My man is not streaming anywhere. Because I literally would have rented it by now. What else? What other differences that like really stood out to us? There's the dog difference. The dog? You talked about this one when you were reading it. So Amanda read it first and then I read it after her, where you were talking about the, the dog man, like. Oh, right. So there's a scene in the Kubrick film where it's like things are have turned to full chaos at the hotel. And one of the doors is open to one of the hotel rooms and you see a man in a dog suit bent over and then you see some legs hanging over a bed and then the man then the legs sit up and it's a man in a tuxedo and the dog's giving that guy a blowjob and you're like oh and they're like what are you looking at <laughs> move along <laughs> busy in here <laughs> yeah and so that's all you get of that whereas in the book it talks about the dog man a lot because it's part of the masquerade party that's happening in the haunted version of the hotel that's like influencing jack because that's what he sees. He wants to be part of this party the whole time. And they're like, unmask, unmask. And there's all these references to Poe's The Mask of the Red Death. And it's quoted in the book quite a bit. And that's the whole idea of them being like, unmask, unmask. It's what he keeps saying in his head randomly. Like he just keeps getting these random thoughts of like that story. And so one of the characters at this like masquerade ball, like one of the grand reopenings of the hotel, because it's just that night replaying, is a man in a dog suit who says some very inappropriate things to little Danny. And then the rest of the time at the party, everyone, he's like the butt of everyone's jokes. Which, I mean, he definitely like talks about having done like sexual things with some like high up person mm -hmm. and like, oh, they don't know what you do behind closed doors, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. But yeah, it doesn't like show anything like it does in the in the Kubrick film. And also the dog man is just way more present in the novel. Yeah, yeah, way, way more. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, the only real reference they make to the party is like at the end of the Kubrick film where you see the picture of the party and it doesn't even look like oh like a necessarily like a, a masquerade party for the Grand Reopening. It's just like a big party and that's when you see Jack Nicholson and it's like he's always been here like because he's in the picture from the past. I also just feel like Danny in general was a happier kid in the book. Also like a genius. Like oh, a super yeah. smart kid, like partially because of his shine. Yeah, because of the shine, it helps him like learn to read. Yes, crazy so fast. Learn to read at a second grade level. He's like not even in school yet, and then he also has like this crazy emotional maturity from his shine as well. Oh, he's so sweet. And then my mind was blown because I was like, I don't know. It took me like to like the end of the book because I don't know if they mentioned it, but in the beginning, but like his middle name mm -hmm. is Anthony and I was like oh that's where the name Tony comes from duh that's why of course that's why Tony is him 
You know, I thought that part was interesting, too. I love that, like, his mom, like, comes to believe in his shine, like, as mm-hmm. you go through the book and as they go through everything that they're dealing with. I think that part's really sweet, like, how it comes on gradually for her. But, like, by the end, like, she, like, full-on is, like, whatever you She's say. Like, like, what's your shine saying? What's Tony <laughs> saying to do? I know. Yeah, because in the Kubrick film, it's more just, like, this little boy who's just completely traumatized. I know. He, like, made Danny a lot more... He dumbed the character infant. down a lot, yeah. Yeah, than I feel like was appropriate. But I guess it's kind of hard when you're, like, have a young actor and you want them to act, like, super mature like that. I don't know. One, also, I just... I think that sometimes, too, it's okay for things to just be totally different visions. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's kind of what we're dealing with here, where there were just two totally different visions both are good and have their own merit just not similar at all like honestly if i were casting to like make it like the book i don't think that i would keep any of the casting from the kubrick one i mean i might keep jack but i would also tell him to tone it down because he's being real crazy in the beginning and it's like you need to make this gradual you need to make you need to make yourself seem more sympathetic well and also to me personally and I love the movie The Shining. I really do. But his performance felt very one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Only crazy. I don't really feel his addiction. I don't really feel his um, intelligence because the character of Jack Torrance is supposed yes. to be off the wall smart. Yes, yes, yes. Didn't feel that at all. Yeah, like, you know, in the book he was like, like, oh, I didn't know he was supposed to be smart this whole time. I just... Yeah, it's like, oh, you're writing? It makes sense that this is what you came up with. Yeah. <laughs> it looks right. Oh, yeah, guys, in case you were wondering, the all work and no play, not in the book. No. It does show up in Pet Cemetery, though. Yeah. It's mentioned briefly. Like, someone says that line. But, oh, something I was thinking about is I wonder if, like, the reason Kubrick didn't make the, like, big part here or whatever, like, so prevalent and, like, a very obvious um, masquerade. Is if he was like, mm, I got this idea for this other movie because he does Eyes Wide Shut and like part of that is like, I've never seen it, but I know that there's like a big part where they wear masks because it's like really infamous because they go to this like secret sex cult and everyone's wearing masks to hide their identity. So I wonder if he already had that in mind that he wanted to do that as a movie and he's like, I don't want there to be any overlap like that. I don't know why. I don't know either. Like, I wonder who the screenwriter was and like, where did the like divulging really like start or the... <laughs> he just like started reading The Shining and he never finished. He's like, oh, I like this. <laughs> he read the back cover. He was like, got it. He's like, I got it. Here we go. <laughs> Got all the names? Perfect. I don't need anything else. I also feel like the hotel manager doesn't come out across... Like, he's, like, hardly in the movie at all. He's, like, super annoying. Like, it really just gets under Jack's skin, like, immediately with his, like, snooty ways. When he calls him to, like, tell him. I know! I was like, whoa, dude! What are you saying? He's so dumb. I know! And also, I was like, you're so far away from the hotel right now. Like, this is He's already using it. Like... That scene at the end of the book where Jack fully gets possessed by the hotel, that shook me. I was like, because he bashes his own face in oh, the, yeah. the mallet. And I was like, oh, poor Danny saw that. I'm, yeah. Well, Danny's seen some things. I know. He's like, <laughs> that might be the worst. But man, he's already seen some things. I know. It's so crazy. Like that part. Jack Nicholson just goes crazy. But in those King novels, it's like, Jack doesn't just go crazy. It's like he's 
possessed by the hotel. I mean, he makes choices and goes crazy, but also, like, yeah, by the end, he's just full on. It's the hotel just using his body. Mm -hmm. That's the unmasking at the end. Yeah. Oh, and a huge difference from the book and the movie is that at the end of the book, the Overlook gets blown up. There is no more Overlook. Which, again, I need to read Dr. Sleep. I know. I need to. I know that in Doctor Sleep they don't go back to this the hotel at all. It's not even in it. I'm so curious. I also wonder as I was reading it because I'm also midway through Shirley Jackson's A Haunted Hill House, and I mean I definitely feel like those influences, especially in the beginning of The Shining when they first like arrive at the hotel and everything. But I wonder if like if King had read Shirley Jackson's stuff before he did The Shining. Did The Shining? Yes, he had because oh, okay. at I specifically wrote it in my notes. He at like. So we did the audiobook, guys. So in the audiobook at like 9.44, oh, like he, he mentions it. it. He says, oh, what is this? Like a Shirley Jackson novel? I really like when they like first get there to the Overlook all together. And uh, he's walking around with Danny or like the manager's like showing them around. And uh, they're talking about flattery. And he's like, oh, it's lying for fun. And his dad's like, mm, something very much like it. Oh, and I thought it was really sweet, too, when they're talking about the person who had the mental breakdown got taken away. And he's like, when does he get to come back? And they're like, no one knows. And to Danny, it's just another way of being like, never, never, never. Like, I definitely feel what King felt about Kubrick's movie. about Because the characters, he just put so much work into them. Like, there's just so much to, like, that you don't get in the movie that you learn in the books about Jack and everything. Like, about how he has this, like, this temper that comes out of nowhere that he's trying to learn how to deal with. The alcoholism is much more prevalent. And you learn why he's quit drinking because of horrible things that happen where he thinks him and this other guy probably hit some cyclist, but they can't find him. And then they don't hear anything about a dead cyclist. So they're just like, we should stop drinking. It's the worst. <laughs> Jack Torrance is the worst. He broke his son's arm. Yeah, you don't even, like, get that. I mean, they do talk about him breaking the arm in the movie. How he broke Danny's arm years prior to them going to the Overlook. And then he's working on his drinking problem. Like, he just seems like a jerk and so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he does seem like a jerk, the book. But, like, not... It's like, he's, like, trying to reform. And you, that doesn't come across in the movie. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't feel like he's, like, in the midst of trying to reform. And then gets pulled back. Mm-hmm. No, but I do really love that moment when, like, Danny's like, I don't know what to do. Like, he's at the end of his... At the end of that hallway at the end. And Danny gets through to Jack. And Jack's like, oh, run. I was like, oh. I know. And he's like, I love you. Just remember that. Yeah. It almost makes you wonder if he chose to kill himself. If it wasn't a full-on possession. If it was him being like, you're not going to use my body to hurt myself. But But then the body still works, right? Yeah, because the body still kept going. Does the body still work? What is happening? What are the rules? (laughs) (laughs) Just a meat suit that the ghost gets to use. It doesn't need your central nervous system to work, I guess. Oh, man. I was so mad when, when Winnie is going down the stairs and she's thinking to herself, oh, there's a million places you could hide. And I got so angry. I literally had to pause. I was like, then why is your son asleep in the only place that he would know to look for I was so, many so rooms. mad. I was like, you have to be kidding me. I know. It's a hotel. There's so many there's places so to many hide. Places. It's huge. They talk about the different wings that need to be heated at different times. I don't know how Jack keeps finding them. Oh, and they also don't mention the playground in the movie. 
and the part where Danny's like in the tunnel and he like there's that presence in there that part like scared me when I was reading I also think the history of the overlook that he looks into is kind of fun to learn about when you're learning about it with him as he's reading all those random articles and just man the Stanley Hotel doesn't look like the overlook from the Kubrick film I wish it looked exactly like that right now I wish I could walk into it and it just looked like the movie yeah same same of course it would be so nice I also thought that it was weird that Halloran didn't take the rifle when it was offered to him. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. Did he say he did not use it, or...? He was like, I don't think it would make any difference. Which, I mean, yeah. I guess he know. It doesn't stop Jack and Lisa, it'll slow him down, you know? Yeah. Take him a minute if you blast him across the room. I also loved that Winnie kept thinking of the Donner party on that movie. It was like a fun little tidbit. I mean, I don't blame her. I'd be like, we're gonna be snowed in? Is there enough food? Because I don't know. How hungry am I gonna get? What if I get really hungry midway through? <laughs> we just eat everything. I just, I think that those were the parts that got me the most is just like feeling for her like as a mother i mean she definitely should never have stayed with jack once he broke danny's arm like that never should have been a thing but i also really get the concept of being like i don't have anywhere to go yeah, like her mother sounded awful mm -hmm. it's almost like as if when they came jack had the right amount of darkness in him and then Danny had the right amount of shine because mm -hmm. Jack already had done lots of horrible things like yeah he comes there as a guy who's trying to reform and then gets like sucked into all of this but also makes some choices to be sucked yeah. in which gets shown to us beautifully by Halloran at the end who does not make those choices yeah well that part then though was scary when Halloran like sees the mallet and he's like oh my gosh no <laughs> Wendy's like already on the snowmobile, like she's dying. given up. Yeah, she like had given up at that point, basically, because she's, she's bleeding, like has well, so much has happened to yeah. her. I mean, so much exhausted. How like how long have they even been up at that point? I feel they like... haven't even eaten either, because yeah. like, they never got their cheese omelet and their soup. No, the meal Danny never got to have. His dad decided to go on a murderous rampage that night. Shoot, it was lunchtime. So, like, the whole day it ends in the night. I know, it was making me so nervous. They didn't get out of the hotel and were fine. They were like, there was still more. I was like, there's more. <laughs> I was like, there's still so much more. What's gonna happen? Those topiaries be garden. Yeah, you don't think that topiaries sound scary at all and then try to eat you. And you're like, oh, well, maybe. So, what should we rank the book? So, I would probably give it four out of five rope cat mallets. I'm gonna give it five out of five rope cat mallets because within the first chapter I was just blown away by King's writing. It's the second book I've tried to read of King's but I was way too young to read the book I was reading. When I first read it it was The Eye of the Green Dragon or whatever. I tried to read that when I was 12 or 13 and I was like this is not getting through. I was like this is just weird. But I was like oh my gosh Stephen King is a genius and I've been missing out for so long. I can't believe this is the first time I'm reading one of his novels. What he was meant to do. Yeah. I was like, ugh, I have no talent at all. Because I also have a friend who, she loves The Shining, the novel. She, like, recommended to me years ago to give it a listen or, like, read it. Because it's, like, her favorite thing. She even has, like, a tattoo commemorating it. But I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll probably read it one day. I'm like, what was I waiting for? I want to listen to it again. Like, I wish I could have had the... I wish I had the patience to look along in a book and while I was listening to it because I love being read to but mm -hmm. I also would like to be able to see things and like if I want to make marks or like know where they are on the page so I can like look back at it. I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. It was like it was so good. Very good. I think a super fun road trip would be to listen to that and maybe Dr. Sleep on the way driving to the Stanley Hotel. That sounds like a dream to me. One day I'll do it. The Shining, the movie, I have to give a five out of five. I mean, it's just absolutely classic. You can always rewatch it. It's so iconic. It has so many iconic scenes. Man, I don't know when I rated it before, but I'm just gonna say five out of five also. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be. 
Guys, I think that this is going to be a thing that we do when we do these book versus movie reviews, as long as you guys like this and want to keep hearing more of them, is that we're going to rate the book by itself, rate the movie by itself, and then pick one, and those ratings don't have to match. And I don't know what to tell you, I know it's not logic, but <laughs> books are just better than movies, <laughs> like, in a general sense. And so it just is what it is. And so even though I gave the book a four and the movie a five, I would pick the book. <laughs> I think. Oh, it's it's very close though. It's it is so insanely hard. close. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so hard that, for me. It's so hard for me because I'm such like a visual person. But like the way King writes, and this is I talked to my mom about this because she, her and my dad are big King fans, and they have been like my whole life growing up. So I am the way I am. And my mom talked about it. The way he writes his visuals, it's like you're there, like you're feeling it, you're smelling it, you're seeing it. So mm. I don't, it's so hard. Which one you do I like better? <laughs> uh, Pepper, so which one do I like better? Tell me. I'm gonna go with the book because I like Stephen King better as a person. That's Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, that's fair. They're both a little much. They are both a little. Real. They are both a little much. <laughs> but, but, but still, King would win. All right. So, you guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scary Movie Clubcast and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We'll see you guys next movie night. And don't forget, there are 19 days to Halloween. Bye. Bye. Beanie Babies the other day and how the Princess Diana one is the only one that's like worth anything and how we have it at my house. Today my mom showed me that she's been letting my nephew play with it and I was like this was behind like plastic you know like in a case what have you done? Like, I took it away. Yeah I would have taken it away too. It I'm like, doesn't belong to me. It belongs to her. But and I was like you don't, you don't know deserve how to it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to take this away from you because it's the most valuable. It's the only Beanie Baby that's retained any value. That's what I was so angry about is I was like, you guys could literally play with all the other Beanie Babies and I wouldn't care at all. It's a fun tangent on Beanie Babies. That's how we do. It's basically just a podcast of tangents. <laughs> that's why we have to have an outline or else. Could you imagine? Someday we should try recording some new thing without an outline, and it will just be a garbage fire. <laughs> like the person who. Why would we do that? Well, it ended suicide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I'm not convinced that we made a good enough outline. So, um. <laughs> why don't we bother? Why don't we try? I don't know why we do anything ever. Someday we'll go up. <laughs> the cat. Okay, that's one. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys don't know. On one of our sound record, like our test recordings to make sure that it would sound okay, we uh, decided that we were going to start doing a thing where we count how many times Pepper comes in and out. We never place bets. No, we didn't. He's eating now, so... I think it'll be at least four. Because we're going to have a lot to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four or five. Okay. Um, CB5, I'll be four. I love dick. Yes! (laughs) No. I'm really getting mad. I don't agree with that sound bite. Dogs can't even tell what you're saying right now.
<laughs> I want that. That's a ringtone, so every time you send me a text message or a message on anything. Stop. No. <laughs> Definitely oh not. Oh my Dang gosh. It. I, why does he have to name them that? I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you compose yourself before we move forward. <laughs> I really also wish that instead of saying I know that you had said me too, that way at least it could be joined. Because <laughs> I know you love him too. <laughs> but you're a ruiner. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's crying. But it's, it's not one of those enjoyable cries where I make her laugh so hard she cries because it's at my expense. <laughs> Usually I create the scrap. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Let me wipe the tears away. <laughs> anyway, so Dick is great. I love Halloran. So good. I don't know what to talk about. She's silent laughing now. <laughs> I'm laughing too hard to make a noise. <laughs> <laughs> she looks crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Looks <clears throat> <clears throat> like I'm not gonna let this mistake happen. Like, see me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, never again. <laughs> oh man. I'm not gonna get another soundbite out of me. <laughs> Oh, it'll happen again. No, it won't. He's Halloran in my mind from here until eternity. Could happen to somebody else. Is that the only person named Dick? No, I'm... I'll never let this happen again. <laughs> <laughs> it's my life's mission. 